0: church it is so good to be together today worshiping the lord i'm glad that we get to gather all across the city in mesa and fountain hills and south mountain and online around the state and around the country it's so cool that we're one church and we're spread out but we're united by the same spirit of god and while i am away for a season of sabbatical with my family getting rested recharged we're studying for a future series and praying Uh, praying for God to lead us in this next season and guide us and continue just to bless us and keep his hand upon our ministry. We know that he's got amazing things in store for us. I'm getting recharged and looking forward to seeing you next month already, just really longing to be with you again. Uh, And if you're a guest today, you came to the right place. You're going to be really blessed Uh, by this service. We've got our friend Pastor James McDonald back today, bringing the Word of God. I know last week was awesome. He's got more good stuff in store for you. Why? Because he's bringing the Word of God and the Word of God is living and active. And so the Lord's gonna speak to your hearts today. And I wanna encourage you today to just put yourself in a posture of receiving, just to open your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through his word, to help you see truth and how it applies to your life and how you can grow in following Jesus and be a blessing to others. And so I just wanna bless you and just say, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I pray that today would be an incredible blessing to you. So open your hearts and get ready to receive the word of God from Pastor James.
1: Good morning everybody. Great to be in the Lord's house. Great to be with all of you. I have my proper glasses this week so I can see how handsome you all are. What I really was missing out on so much and um, I wanted to say that last week I mentioned uh, uh, the issue of prodigals and dealing with prodigals. A very tender place in certain people's hearts. This is a book that my wife and I worked on together, it's from a series I taught at the church about wanderers and finding wanderers, the sexual wanderer, the uh, rebellious wanderer, the doubtful wanderer, and so on. Uh, My daughter actually wrote the foreword to the book and I put um, quite a few copies uh, in the lobby for free for everyone, if you have a prodigal, It's not like, oh, I can get a free book. If you have a prodigal, that's a burden on your heart, in your family, there's free Uh, copies of this book on every campus after every service, and those are there to be a blessing to those who would be helped by it. Um, Take your Bibles, if you would please, and head over to Acts 16. Acts 16, if you don't have a Bible with you, that's super B minus, but if if you could uh, look on your phone, we'll tolerate your Absence of a real Bible, if you'll take the time to see something, because here's the thing, um, church isn't supposed to be about going to hear some guy say stuff he thinks. There's too much of I think in the world and not enough of thus says the Lord. And uh, today I want to talk to you about the subject, how to be strong in the Lord, how to be strong in the Lord. I, um, now that I'm kind of semi-retired and have my workload down to under 10 hours a day, sometimes um, I have free time to look at nonsense on TV and there's a lot of it. Have you ever seen this uh, ESPN show about the world's strongest man? Have you ever seen that? It's actually quite cool. You can devote multiple hours to complete nonsense. If you watch these guys lifting all kinds of insane stuff over their heads and everything like this, have you seen these guys? Do we have a picture of them or do they already put it up? These dudes, it's crazy, man. Like don't pop a vein in your forehead, bro. And, and, um, but they can, they're very, very strong, very strong. Um, Now take that out of physical strength. I think when we see a person who's physically strong, we can kind of be like, well, that dude's strong, they're strong, she's strong. Have you ever noticed how some Christians are stronger than others? Some Christians, I mean, the stuff they can go through, the trials that they can endure, the joy that they can continue despite what's going on all around them. Some Christians seem to go through, I mean, just some little thing happens and they're in the ditch upside down with the wheels off And then other Christians are super strong. You're like, why is that? Maybe they're getting something from God that I'm not getting. Correct. They are getting something from God. You're not getting it. It just seems like they have a strength I don't have. They do. And so um, this is an important message. How to be strong in the Lord. How to be strong in the Lord. I got four things for you. They're right out of the text in Acts chapter 16. If you were to read through Acts chapter 16, the word strength is used in the chapter. And the overall sense is, man, these people are so strong. These people are so strong. Why why am I not strong, not strong like that? Well, we're gonna get into that right now. Um, Acts chapter 16, verse one, if you're ready to go, say go. Here it is, Acts 16, one. Now, this is an expository message. We're gonna go through all 40 verses in the chapter, so it's not gonna be hard to follow. When I'm at verse 20, he's like, I think he's halfway. Yeah, he is. Okay, so we're gonna go through the whole chapter and you're gonna see these four things, how to be strong in the Lord. Acts 16, one. Paul came to Derby, that's a city in Asia Minor, and to Lystra, a disciple there was named Timothy. Ding, 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 you know Timothy? Paul and Timothy, Paul's protege, two books in the New Testament, Paul and Timothy. Timothy's a pretty A plus guy. Um, he had a... Uh, a uh, mother and a grandmother we know from Second uh, Timothy 3.16 says like your mother and your grandmother, I think their names were like Lois and Eunice and not awesome names but awesome ladies because Paul says to Timothy, from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able, how many people as a child, it's such a privilege, how many people as a child had the word of God invested in your heart? Hands up if that is your story and look around, not even a third of the people, so many of us have had to kind of catch up as time has gone on but Timothy had so much invested in him and he was a powerful force for God in the New Testament. A disciple, this is the first mention of him, is the reason why I'm kind of like ringing the bell. First mention of him in the book of Acts, Acts 16. A disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Now, it's difficult for that to sort of um, ring in our hearts as to why that's important, but you'll just see shortly why it is. Um, Father, by the way, the Bible never condemns... uh, what we call mixed marriages, the Bible never condemns interracial marriage. If you have a hangup about interracial marriage, you have a hangup that's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible anywhere. It's a complete zero non-issue. It's not it's not interracial marriage that the Bible condemns, yo. It's interfaith marriage. No interfaith marriages is what the Bible's down on. Uh, um, you know, interrace marriage. Let's let's go. No problem. Okay. Somebody just say, thanks for that. I mean, I just throw stuff in on the side, y'all. It's completely free. You could be a little more encouraging. Verse two. Timothy it's speaking of, verse two. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. This is on his missionary journey. And he took him and had him, say it. Say what? He took him and had him circumcised. So they're going on this missionary journey. Hey, before we go, you know, we're gonna need to you know, pack our bags and we need to do a few little things. I got a little check list here. Oh yeah, come here. <laughs> now this circumcision thing coming up at church is like the worst in 10 different ways because somebody here on one of the campuses this week, you brought your friend and like, dang, I just knew my luck. I knew I'd pick the wrong week. <laughs> they're gonna talk about circumcision at church this week. Like, why is this even in the Bible, y'all? Okay, well, if you don't know, you don't know, so I'll just take a minute and tell you. Long time, long, 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 back, 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 back to Genesis, the first book in the Bible, and Abraham, the whole world was pagan, and God had made several runs at, I'll be the God of all the earth. But that kind of went over the falls with Noah. Like, let's start over with Noah and the big flood and just Noah's family and the rainbow, I'll never wipe it all out again. And then when it was all in the ditch again, then God's like, all right, well, if I can't have everyone, I'll just have a nation for myself. And so God called Abraham to leave his country and his kindred, his people, and to go to a different place. And God required of the people, Abraham and his descendants, that they would have that mark on their flesh as a way of saying, we're not like other nations, we belong to God. But as it is with most symbols, At the beginning, it represented a reality, but over time, they became so focused upon the symbol that they forgot the reality and they had the mark in their flesh, but this is why you hear the prophets in the Old Testament saying, circumcise your heart, man. it's, It's not about a mark in your flesh. It's about what that represents, which is you are supposed to belong wholly and completely to the Lord your God. Problem was, it was that it had become a ritual and then it had become a religion so that when the gospel began to go from Israel and the Jewish people, Jesus died, rose again, went to heaven, apostles sent into all the world to make disciples and preach the gospel. Paul gets converted. He's sent by the Lord to Asia Minor. He would go out and preach first in the synagogues. There were Jewish people scattered all over the world, especially now because of persecution. And he would go in and preach in the synagogues. And then he would go out and preach in the streets to the Gentiles. Somebody say that's us. Most of us. And, and, so, and, and the Jewish people would show up and say, well, if that guy's gonna follow our God, he has to be, Saying, I don't like saying that. I wish I didn't even have to talk about this. But There's a really important thing here. Really, 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 really important. In fact, Acts chapter 15, if you have a Bible, just look across the page. It was such an issue that they had a whole church council on it. Acts 15, one, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Everyone say, that's a problem. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, so then they bring this whole thing to Jerusalem. I'll just cut to the chase, Acts fifteen ten. Here's the summary. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? We believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And so they're like, by grace, through faith, that alone, no circumcision, no other rituals or regulations. You don't have to do this. You don't have to keep that. You don't have to follow this. You don't have to obey that. By grace, through faith, alone, salvation. Say amen. Amen. And so they settled it in Acts 15, which makes Acts 16 all the more shocking because they've just finished saying you don't have to do this. And Paul, getting ready to go with the gospel, says to Timothy, whose father was a Greek, so he wasn't, say it. So Paul's like, We don't have to, but you're going to come here. Now, we don't know if he got, you know, a couple of beers first. We don't really know exactly what was. Somebody say, Move on. Notice in the text, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews. Sometimes we do things for weaker people for the greater good. Paul's like, I'm going out to preach the gospel. This is gonna be uncomfortable for a moment, but we're gonna remove this obstacle to people hearing a message that will change them for all of eternity All of that to get to this. Jot it down. Why so strong? Here it is. Strengthened by a willing surrender of my rights. Strengthened by a willing surrender of my rights. They all knew his father was a Greek Verse four, and they went on their way and through the cities they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So they were actually bringing out the message that you don't have to have this mark on your flesh to be faithful to God, but so that they could just get a hearing. Have you ever had a situation with a person where you had something really good to tell them, but you were afraid to begin the first sentence because they were gonna jump down your throat. They just had no desire to hear you at all. And so Paul's like, we're just gonna get this off the table, out of people's minds so that we can actually get a hearing and they can understand that this requirement is not honoring to God. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, incredible sacrifice. No wonder verse five says, so the churches were, see it there? Strengthened, strengthened in the faith. And why were they strengthened? They were strengthened because of the message that was going out, they were were strengthened because they didn't get caught up in controversy, and I have pastored when the church was strong and flourishing, and I have pastored when the church got distracted and caught up in controversy, and most often it seems what has to happen is what so seldom happens among Christ followers, which is a willing surrender of my rights. Generation church is getting stronger as individuals in this congregation say, what I think, what I want, what I need is not important. There's something bigger than me happening here. Generation church is getting weaker. When you're saying, they're gonna hear me, they're gonna hear me, I'm gonna make sure, I don't like this, that's, that's, that's hurting the church, that's hurting the church, that's hurting the church when I'm asserting my rights. Jot these down, three hardest rights to give up. (laughs) Now this is where lame preaching, I've been preaching long enough and I love our pastor Ryan and his preaching so much that I have no fear of saying this. You're listening to lame preaching when the preacher's talking about, well, I was driving in traffic the other day and I got so frustrated and I was standing in the line at Walmart. Those are not the real issues of life. Those are not stop talking about safe things that we can all chuckle about and start talking about the real places where me asserting my rights is tearing down the fabric of family and friendship and community. Three hardest rights to give up. Number one, my right to be heard. I mean, that is absolutely disintegrating our society. My need to be heard. I don't, know, I don't know if you've all been on social media lately. Have you heard of that? Have you been on social media lately? I mean, it, it, and the more people that are paying attention to what you're saying, the more you're aware of how vicious it is out there. And people are, I have a Facebook page, people are hijacking that Facebook page constantly. Come read my site, come look at this. Why'd you say that? I don't like this. Didn't you know this? Didn't you hear this? Didn't you da 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 It just never stops. And mine need to be heard. And then why don't I have a microphone? Um, let's start with you, haven't done a lot yet. But I have a right to be heard. Do you? Do you have a right to be heard? It used to be that you had to accomplish something to get a microphone held up to you. Now any fool can get a microphone, right? And they're talking, trust me when I tell you, they're talking. And that reality has wreaked havoc in our life. Know nothing's saying something because they believe in this fundamental right uh, to be heard. And foolish people, watch yourself on this, foolish people listen to people who know nothing, but they speak with confidence, so they think, well, they must really know, and I better listen to them, and we go with such fear, we live in fear, and so we're always afraid that we trusted someone we shouldn't trust, or listened to someone we shouldn't listen to, and some person out there we've never met is telling us about someone that we kind of know, but we're like, well, maybe they know something I don't know, and everybody's on guard, and everybody's afraid, and everybody's running their mouth, and it is a huge, colossal disaster. I don't know how long it's gonna last and I don't know if I'm gonna live to see the end of it, but I promise you my grandchildren and your grandchildren will scoff at this season Mm. where we let so many say so much. And I have found that we get a lot stronger if we give up that right, that right to be heard. Here's a second one, Uh, my right to fairness. I think I have a right to fairness. I deserve to be fe- treated fairly. I deserve to be treated fairly. I actually, uh, how many people believe in a right to fairness? I, I know you don't want to put up your hand like I'm not, he'll, he'll say something right to me. Okay, well, I probably would, you're right to be cautious. But I actually believe there's a right to fairness. That's what our judicial system is all about. The legal system is all built around fairness and a hearing and getting the truth out in the open. And—and—and—and and, and, and there is a right to fairness but we're getting stronger when we're giving up our right to fairness and we're getting weaker when we're demanding our right to fairness this is long enough ago now that i can use it as an illustration i was flying out of state to a series of women's conferences big arena events with 10 15,000 women i think something like that and and i know i know why was i even doing that i, I couldn't agree more He's like, I, I don't see you much, so much like a woman's speaker. Well, I love the women here, grateful for you, but it was a really unusual thing for me to do, but I just decided to go for it, and I had my wife Kathy with me, and I get up and preach my heart out. I think it was in Chattanooga this time, and God really seemed to use it, but I was tired, and I had to get back to our own church. So I got on the plane, and I like to sit by the window because I don't like to have people bumping into me and because I have a right to my own space, Right? And, and, and uh, so I was up against the window and because I'd been speaking uh, for the most of the day and getting ready and doing that and so on, I had a lot of messages on my phone. So I was looking at my phone. Now, apparently, apparently, the, apparently the flight attendant did walk by and did say that everyone should turn off their phone, but I was kind of consumed with what I was doing and I didn't hear that. So when she came back a second time and said, you need to turn your phone off now, sir seemed a little curt to me because I wasn't aware of the first one. I found out about that later. And so I did turn off my phone, but first I just did a couple more things. <laughs> and during the time that I was doing a couple of more things, which couldn't have been five or six seconds, she came back for the third time. This was really something. And she tore the lid off a 40 gallon drum of you know what whipping and she just like unloaded on me. How many times do I have to tell you people? She was, I've really never seen anything like this. And, and by the way, they have a very hard job. So I have a lot of sympathy for them. They have a very hard job. People like me are making it harder by making them repeat things they shouldn't have to repeat. I, I do see all that. And so, but she just went off. She went off on me so bad and for so long, ten, fourteen, fifteen 10, 14, 15 seconds of just railing at me as my wife looked at me with that. Hmm. Yep, that's the guy I married. It was so bad that a guy across the aisle put his hand on her shoulder and said, it's okay, ma'am, you can calm down. Well, if you know the worst possible thing to say to a person who's losing it is calm down, right? So she turns the fire hydrant on him and just starts lowering it all on him, huge, just, just, just on and on and on and on and on and on. I thought, this is way better. <laughs> then she turned back to me, but by this time I had the phone off and I was like, it's off, it's off, it's off, but shit, that wasn't enough. She started this huge thing about it. You know that I could have, because the plane had already pulled away from the gate and we were getting ready to take off. Do you know that I could have the pilot come back here? And I thought to myself, aren't you supposed to be sitting down when the plane's moving? But I did not say that. (laughs) And I did not say that. And and I could have this go back to the gate and and I could have you taken off the plane and I could. And this, this is where I blew it. And I said, Would you please? So then she disappeared. I did feel the plane turn and they took us back to the gate and it slowed everything down for 20 or 30 minutes. And I could feel all the people in the plane looking at me and how could you do this? And I I just like slunk off the plane, got on another plane, flew back to our church, preached on love, Total fail on my part, total fail. I can just tell you from experience, I I use myself as an example, so hopefully you can kind of join me here. Whenever I assert my rights, I feel strength rushing out of me. Strength is rushing upon us when we say, I could, but I won't. I have a right to say that, I I have a third right here. The three hardest rights to give up, the right to be heard, the right to fairness, And then here's the last one, the right to self-determine. And um, every time I've asserted my rights strongly, I've regretted it. Every time I have let my right go in a marital situation, in a family situation, in an employment situation, in a ministry context, in a neighborhood context, every time I've asserted my rights with my neighbor, I've regretted it. Every time I've let my right slide a little bit or for a time, now, you can take this to an extreme. If you're being abused in your home, call the police. Just call the police, don't even call the church, call the police. If someone's breaking the law, God has established the authorities that be for the punishment of wrongdoers. And it isn't wrong to rely upon God's established authorities to handle things. That's not asserting your rights. I've had to do some of that where the law was broken, but give it over and, and let them handle it. Don't you be out there fighting for yourself, Don't no. No, it's not wrong to speak the truth, but when it gets to, I'm asserting my rights. I mean, these people are so strong and I can tell you without any more humor about a very delicate subject, Paul and Timothy made a difficult decision to forego a right that they had and because of it, they experienced immense strength and they saw awesome things happen. And every time I've acted out of hurt, I've regretted it. Every time I've asserted my rights, I've regretted it. Anybody with me on this? What are y'all looking at me for? Okay. Then this, starting in verse six, how to be strong in the Lord, strengthened by a willing surrender of my rights. And then this, strengthened by a sure call to a needy heart. Look here at this. Verse six, and they went through the region of Pergia and Galatia more of Asia Minor. You're like, when do we get to use the maps in the Bible? Now, now you can if you want to. These are all cities across the top of the, the north side of the Mediterranean Sea. They went through the region of and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. They're like, let's go, let's go to China. No, keep moving west. And when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Wow, the Spirit's guiding, guiding, guiding as the gospel goes out. I mean, if he had gone east and not west, y'all, it's quite likely we wouldn't be here. And all the evangelicalism and everything would all be in the Far East, and I don't know what we'd be over here with symbols and smelling things, or I don't know what we'd be doing. But I'm really, how many people are thankful the gospel went west? This, this right here, this changes the whole picture. The Holy Spirit led the gospel to go west. How many people have faith to believe that the God of the universe could see you and your descendants, right? The Bible says that uh, we are chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And so this, this is awesome what the Holy Spirit is doing here. Verse eight, so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Now God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. Uh, he speaks to us through uh, visions. He speaks to us through dreams. He speaks to us through a word from someone. He speaks to us more reliably uh, through a word from the word. Right? And, and the supernatural things do happen, but they happen less frequently. If you've got somebody who's like, well, God told me yesterday and today God told me and tomorrow, I mean, I mean, that's the reason these things are in the Bible is because they're unusual. And, but they do happen. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, being on point, being on passion, being on mission, getting stronger. Asserting my rights, over here spending my time, and I'm gonna write another email, I'm gonna get this all handled. That that's strength is draining out of me. But this is why I'm here. This is what I'm gifted to do. This is what God's called me to spend my life investing in, whatever that is. I hope you know and are discovering that. We're getting stronger when we're on passion, on call. We're getting weaker when we're off passion and off call. Okay, so uh, see how this uh, continues here in the text. Look at, so setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Salmon Thrace, and the f- following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. Anybody, ding, 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 Philippi. Okay, I've heard of that one. Uh, Like Galatia, we have a New Testament epistle here. Keep going. And from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. I've been to that city, I've preached in that city, I've seen the prison where Paul was, but wait for that. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath we went outside to the gate by the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer Apparently, there was no synagogue. Paul would always go to the synagogue first, but there was no synagogue. You had to have 10 men of faith together to start a synagogue. They must not have had even that much. So notice in the text, and on the Sabbath day, we went out to the gate by the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods. I don't know if you find stuff like this interesting, but the reason why purple is the color of royalty is because back before they had all the synthetic colorings, uh, purple was a color that could only be created through the uh, blood from the vein of a sea snail. And it was a very costly uh, process to get one of those sea snails and how much, how much dye do you think would be in the back of a sea snail? Um, someone say not a lot. So how many sea snails did it take to make enough dye to make the king's robe purple? Say a lot. So this is what this lady's business was. And she was a seller of purple goods and she was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by, isn't that awesome when God, just think about who you long to see saved today. Maybe you're gonna be some families on Father's Day. and We pray for all of you fathers and we pray for uh, your children and for your parents and maybe today will be the day that you'll see the Lord open someone's heart to pay attention to the gospel. Verse 15, after she was baptized, wow, she came right around, and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. Now, all of that to say, what is your calling? What is your calling? The reason these people are so strong is because they're doing the thing that God has called them to do. And if you're not like uh, Pastor Ryan or, or Aaron or some of these people that seem to have such an obvious, definitive call, then you've got to use your mind and focus yourself a little bit. What is it that you are gifted to do? Why is it that you get to draw another breath? Why are you going to be here for another week or for another month? Well, there's some people God wants to hear. There's some love God wants shown. There's some forgiveness that God wants granted. There's some bridges that God wants built. Whatever those things are that you know in your heart God wants done, get after them and feel the strength rush upon you. You know, wandering dad, wandering sister, standing over here, what are you doing? What are you looking at? What are you spending your energy on? And strength is rushing out of me but back to focus, back to the center, back to spending my energies for things that will matter 100 years from today and feel the strength come rushing back upon you. As Paul and Timothy experienced here, it's really, really, really an awesome thing. When times are tough, the way I wanna say it, I have a quote here, let me find it for you. When times are tough, um, throw aside distractions and return to your primary call when you're weak, when you're hurting, when you're struggling with temptation. Man, how can I get victory over this temptation? Throw aside your distractions and get back on point, get back on mission for God. So, two more paragraphs, I better hurry. As we were going to the place of prayer, so we have two ways to be strengthened now. Strengthened by a willing surrender of my rights, strengthened by a sure call to a needy heart. I love this one strengthened by a joyful submission to a sovereign suffering. Didn't we learn last time when we were together last week that sometimes God allows suffering in the life of a believer? Come on, nod your head like you're here at least. Okay, so we know that God allows suffering, but do we submit to it or we fight and resist and resent it? Watch them here. As they were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. Next time you're driving by that palm reading thing, that's not casual, y'all. That's evil is what that is. You don't go by there, you don't knock on the door, you're not curious, you don't peek in the window, that's evil, come on, say that's evil. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants, somehow she had the truth, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. So it seemed good at the beginning and uh, hey, Guy from last week, Spider-Man guy. Just, just yell this out. Just yell these words out. These men are servants of the Most High God. Say it. These men are servants of the Most High God. See, that seems like a good thing, right? Say it again. These men are of the most high God. But what if he was still saying it in two hours? And what if he was screaming it over and over and over so that the people speaking couldn't be heard? That's what fortune teller lady's doing. Notice. She kept saying it over and over for many days, verse 18, Paul having become greatly annoyed. Somebody say amen. Amen. Anyone here ever get annoyed? Is it just me? Me and Paul, were the only ones that get annoyed. But still notice under the control of the spirit, he let it go on for some time. Because Paul, greatly annoyed, turned, said to the spirit, in other words, it wasn't even the lady, it was the evil spirit in her. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour, which isn't what I thought it would say. I thought it would say it came out that very second. So stay strong in your faith. It came out not that second, not that minute, say it, that hour, right? But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows, 39 was the max required by law. Here it appears they lost count When they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Now I don't know what a bad day in ministry is like. I I mean, I guess I do know what a bad week is like, a bad month, I've had some bad years even, hard years, difficult years, regrettable years. I've never been beaten. The writer of Hebrews says, you have not resisted to the point of bloodshed striving against sin. And there may be someone here who has had their blood shed over their testimony for the gospel, but I never have. These guys are thrown into prison. That's never happened to me. They were thrown into prison and they were beaten until their backs were bloody. What are they gonna do now? See, I told you this circumcision thing was a dumb idea. One purple cellar is saved. What else do we have to show for all of this? That's not what they did. Notice verse 25, picture them in prison. I've been to this exact prison. It's discovered an excavation. You could go to it. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's a joyful submission to a sovereign suffering right there. It doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter what they say. We know who we are. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, suddenly, everyone say suddenly, So while they were worshiping, the miracle is about to come. And I want you to have uh, this notation. Full-hearted worship in the face of suffering leads to miraculous provision. That's why somebody's in church today, that. You'll forget everything else, that's why you came to church today. That full-hearted worship in the face of suffering, as submission to suffering, after that the miracle comes. We've all heard him and taught many of us that God inhabits the praise of his people. There's a way that God shows up when God's son is being adored that isn't like any other time. And if you need a miracle, if you need a breakthrough, if you need an answer, turn off the television, get in a room by yourself, start playing some worship and use that voice God gave you, strong or not strong, and lift it up and start praising Jesus and get ready for a miracle. Because it says here, suddenly there was a great earthquake. God did it, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke, (laughs) he wasn't doing his job apparently. (laughs) When the jailer woke up, when the bus driver woke up, you know, I think you were supposed to be awake the whole time, bro. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because if you um, let a prisoner go in that time in that part of the world, then you got what they were gonna get, which means that Paul and Silas were gonna be executed and he was gonna execute himself because he let them go. But God wasn't gonna let it happen. He was gonna kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped, but Paul cried with a loud voice. This is an awesome moment. Do not harm yourself, we're all here, in brackets, singing. We don't want church to be over, man. Like a couple of hours ago, we wanted to leave, but right now, we're having church up in here. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in, trembling with fear, fell down before Paul and Silas. That's so awesome. Then he brought them out and he said, what must I do to be saved? The power, he hadn't even shared anything with them. The power of God's presence that accompanied their worship in the context of suffering was so powerful. And if we can keep worshiping God, even when we've had to give up our rights, we get back on our call and and nothing's gonna deter us. And there are some things I wish I could have a do-over for, but I got some years and months still ahead of me and I'm gonna give it my all for the Lord as long as I have breath. Someone say amen. Amen and I'm gonna worship him no matter what's happening. Get strong, y'all, you're getting strong. And they said to him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved in your household. I wish I had time to go into the whole thing there, but the Bible does make promises that if you're saved, that God desires your household to be saved. And, And never let anybody ever tell you, ever tell you that it isn't God's will for every one of your children to love Jesus like you do. And they spoke the word of God, the Lord to them and to all who were in his house and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and he set food before them. This, this, this is the guy. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So, so many, many great things had happened. But, verse 35, when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out and go in peace. Now, this is strong, y'all. What I'm gonna show you right now, and I only have a minute or two left, what I'm about to show you is strong. If you believe I'm gonna show you something strong, say, this is gonna be strong. Come on, say it. Say, this is gonna be strong. All right, by the way, sometime read Isaiah 41.6 where it says, Say to your neighbor, be strong. I'm, this is all Bible stuff that's happening up here, okay? Come on, say to your neighbor, be strong. be strong. They're gonna get strong right here, watch this. The guy's like, well, they're gonna let you go. They're not gonna kill you, you can leave. Paul said to them, they've beaten us publicly, uncondemned men were Roman citizens and thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. That's strong. The police reported these things to the magistrates and they were afraid. Yeah, they were. As people should be afraid when they oppose God's servants and beat them. And when they heard that they were Roman citizens, they were like, sheesh, I told you to check his birth certificate. Verse 39 Then they came and apologized to them. No, no, come on, come on, come on. That's like a, (gasps) wait, 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 wait. Then they came and apologized to them, right? And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. Could you guys just go? Could you guys just go? They're like, when we want to. So they go back and visit Purple Lady. So they went out and they went and visited Lydia. And then they went and seen some brothers. encouraged them and said now do you want to go maybe we could go i don't want to we don't have to go we can go whenever we want to (laughs) you want to go oh let's go okay let's go that's strong afraid of nothing on their heels about nothing why because they gave up their rights they returned to their call They they made an absolute categoric insistence upon true vindication in God's time as they submitted with worship to the suffering that God allowed. Now let's pray. By the Holy Spirit and for the glory of Jesus, Father, we pray for you to seal this word to the hearts of your people. Some are here and have felt so weak. And by your spirit, they agree. I've been been asserting my rights. I've been demanding fairness. I've been fighting for myself. I've been off my call. I stopped worshiping when I started hurting and I lost my center. This is why I felt so weak. This is why we've been so weak. Vindication is coming in God's time, and I'm not gonna give up my strength to try to make it happen now. Lord, forgive us for every effort extended in the flesh to accomplish for us ourselves what you as our father have promised to accomplish for us in my home in my family in my neighborhood where I work you are the Lord God of heaven and earth and you are worthy of my worship and obedience to the call that you've given I lay down my rights afresh and I pick up heartfelt worship vindication can come in your time and in your way I'm back on mission, and I thank you for the strength that is rushing upon me this moment. In the name of Jesus, amen.